It quick tucked the ball, though. Quick tucked the ball. Come on, catch it the first time. Go that way. Catch it and go that way. Go that way with the ball. Go that way with the ball. Huddle up. We don't throw the ball the right place the first play. We throw up, pick the next play, and we can't get lined up right. Let's go. It's the same damn place we've been running. It is. It is, guys. It is. Trust me, my other is a long time. Good. 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 That's football. That's football. That's the way football plays. Welcome once again to the most must-hear podcast, Big Mouth Small Words Sports Talk. I'm going to be going over the AFC North and figured who better to talk to than a man who was a coach for multiple teams in the division. 16 years of NFL coaching experience. You heard him on the intro, Hugh Jackson. What's up, coach? What's going on? How you doing? <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you. I'm a big Bengals fan. This is going to be awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Perfect. Now, before we dive into the AFC North, I wanted to congratulate you on starting the Hugh Jackson Foundation in 2017. For those who uh, well, don't thank know. You. I really... Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. So for those who don't know, the Hugh Jackson Foundation is the dedication to awareness, education, and prevention of human trafficking with a commitment to supporting survivors, affected families through multiple layers of recovery. You received the 2019 Harvard Global Health Catalyst Mental Humanitarian Award. That's big time stuff, man. No, thank you. It, uh, the award was great, but it wasn't won by me, obviously. Uh, I have a lot to do with the foundation, but uh, Kimberly, the mayor, uh, my family, and uh, the Salvation Army, and John Morgan, a lot of people put a lot of work uh, into getting our facility up and running to house uh, people, women of human trafficking. Uh, but it was, uh, it's been great, and we need to continue to do more. Absolutely. Now, how can people donate to this cause if they want to? Yeah, I think if they go to Hugh Jackson, HughJacksonFoundation.org, uh, they'll see a little uh, click on there that they can always donate. We're always looking for uh, anybody who wants to support the cause. That's awesome, man. Good for you. So we'll start here with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a team you're very familiar with from coaching many different positions throughout the years. This organization is known for, let's say, underutilizing their wallet when it comes to free agency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you wish they would have spent a little more at certain times. But uh, me and you yeah. both, I'm a huge Bengals fan, so I wish. But um, they spent $126 million in counting. That's more than the last four years combined. They got a lot of playmakers on defense, most notably DJ Reader, Defensive tackle, the Texans, Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander, cornerbacks from the Vikings, and Von Bell, safety for the Saints. I was surprised. Did What did you make out of this free agency for the Bengals? Well, it said to me that, uh, as you said, I mean, that was uh, very uncharacteristic of them, but um, they want to win. You know, they have a, a good young coach. Uh, they try and do everything they can to uh, put them in a great light. When it's 2-14, and 14, I've been through it being 1-15 and 15 and 0-16. Oh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's hard, you know, so they got to do everything they can to support him to give him an opportunity to win. And so um, to watch them do that, I thought it was awesome. No, it really is. And I really, for me personally, the DJ reader move four years, 53 million. He's young. The Bengals needed help stopping the run. And now they can plug in a guy pro football focus rated as the eighth most valuable interior defensive lineman. You know how good Geno Atkins is. And it's like putting a guy next to him now. You've got Sam Hubbard off the edge. You've got Carlos Dunlap. They've got a good mix of veteran and rookies. Like they, They're good. I, I like what they're doing with the defense this year. 
Uh, no doubt. They got a chance to um, to be really good. You know, obviously uh, the key will be uh, the, the draft for them as they continue to move forward and sur- surround uh, whoever they draft. If it is the quarterback as the first pick, to surround him with the right talent to give him a chance to play as special as he did at LSU. But, uh, again, they have a good nucleus of players there. Absolutely. Now, since you brought up Joe Burrow, do you have them taking him? And how NFL ready do you think he is if you do have them taking him? I do have them taking him. Um, uh, I think they almost have to. He's right. the number one overall quarterback in this draft. He's an Ohio kid. Uh, played extremely well at LSU. I mean, the year he had was uh, spectacular. Amazing. And um, they made a decision that they were going to move on from Andy, uh, even though I have fond, fond uh, memories and history with Andy. Right. Um, now, is he going to be ready? I mean, that's yet to be determined. It's hard for um, first-year quarterbacks to come in and have a major impact. And don't get me wrong, there's been some that have done it. But right. uh, when you're in an organization that hasn't been to the playoffs in the last, what, three, four years, yep. um, that's a tall, tall order for a young player coming into the National Football League, especially at that position. Right, and especially where they might not have a full off season with everything that's going on. It's going to be hard to get all their ducks in a row, right? No, you said it. I think that's one of the big keys, too. And, uh, you know, when are this team going to get a chance to get together after the draft? You know, the draft is next week. But how are those players that are being drafted going to transition into the National Football League if they can't be on national in National Football League organizations? Very true. So speaking of Andy Dalton, you had some great success with Dalton when you were the offensive coordinator for the Bengals in 2015. You've been around him a lot. You've seen some good. You've seen some bad. He's been under a lot of scrutiny lately, and there seems to be no trade partners for the Bengals. Why is no one going after the Red Rifle, and how much do you think he has left as an NFL starting quarterback? I think right now no one really knows what anybody's market is right today because of the trade value. You know, I think draft day will say a lot about what's going to happen with Andy. Uh, I think Andy can still play winning football. I mean, it's like any quarterback. you got to surround him with good players, you know. Right. I mean, if you're Andy Dalton and you're playing without A.J. Green, that's a different Andy Dalton, you know. You're playing Andy Dalton playing without a different offensive line when you had Kevin Zeitler and Andrew Whitworth and all those guys. Yep, um, That's a different player. So, uh, yeah, I think he can still play, but hopefully he gets to a good spot or they're going to do everything they can to put him in position to be successful. Right. And speaking of A.J. Green, where does he rank among wide receivers that you've coached? And if he stays healthy this year with the Bengals, how explosive do you see their offense being? Oh, they'll be very explosive. They got that guy Joe Mixon in the back. Oh, yeah. I feel, you know, who's uh, extremely good. You got Tyler Boyd, um, who makes a huge difference. I think Tyler Boyd is one of the most uh, un- unrecognized uh, uh, receivers in the game because I think he's very, very talented. Yep. Uh, A.J. Green was uh, sensational to coach, and he was one of the best players I coached, but it's hard when you coach uh, Chad Johnson. There he's he's my Cincinnati. favorite of all time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <'cause> he <laughs> was, yeah, he was spectacular, and I'm not saying that A.J. Green isn't, but uh, Chad, yeah. Chad was just different. You know, uh, He was really different. Absolutely. Love that guy. So I think we can both agree the Bengals, pretty good offseason, especially by their standards. So hopefully they can do something and get it going this year. 
Oh, absolutely. I really think the Bengals are, they have a chance to get it turned in the right direction. Obviously, they play in a real tough division. I think it's one of the toughest divisions in football. Absolutely. You know, because when you start thinking about Baltimore, what they are with the young quarterback coming back and they lose any players and then they put Calais Campbell on the team. Oh, yeah. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> and you look at Pittsburgh and here comes Big Ben coming back, you know, without playing. And they had an unbelievable defense this past year. And so they're going to be – Another season of playing together with a young linebacker from Michigan, they're going to be better. Right. And then you look at Cleveland, who on paper might be as talented as anybody in the National Football League. But, you know, how fast can they put it together, you know, to where it works, to where they play like a football team? I think that's going to be the key for them. Right. So with the Steelers, they have a lot of hype behind them this year. They didn't do much in free agency so far. They got um, tight end Eric Ebron for two years, $14 million. He should be a good red zone threat for them. But other than that, I didn't make much of their free agency. Are you buying into them being AFC contenders this season? Absolutely. Ooh. The Pittsburgh Steelers never do anything in free agency, really. True. They'll pick a guy here, pick a guy there to plug holes. You know, they're one of those old school uh, organizations that truly believe building through the draft and they know how to draft players and those players contribute to their team. And anytime you got this going to be hall of fame quarterback returning and if he's healthy, look out, the Steelers will be really good. See now my only thing with the Steelers is I feel Ben Roethlisberger is playing on borrowed time at this point. He's taken a beating <laughs> in his career. The injuries are beginning to add up. I'm surprised that after last year, they didn't go after a backup. Like, do you think that like a Cam Newton or a Jameis Winston or dare I say an Andy Dalton is something that they should consider? Definitely. I mean, especially when you look back to their season last year, there probably was a veteran quarterback away right. from making the playoffs. Making playoffs, playoffs right. Know? Yeah, and being really contenders in the division. So um, I'm sure, um, you know, again, nobody knows what's going to happen on draft day. You know, a lot of those scenarios that you just mentioned could come to the forefront here on the 23rd. Okay. I'm not super high on the Steelers, but everything that you just said made me feel like I should change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. Yeah, you right. Cut out the, they'll cut out the Steelers if they're healthy. Well, I'm a Bengals fan, so it's hard for me to ever give them too much credit, but <laughs> they, they definitely, I get it. they're good. I totally understand. And as you were saying about the Browns potentially being like, they have a lot of talent. One of the best moves I think they got was getting right tackle Jack Conklin from the Titans. The Browns needed badly to upgrade a tackle. Chris Hubbard wasn't going to cut it, and they lost free agent Greg Robinson to 157 pounds of marijuana. So <laughs> Conklin shares up the right side. They got tight end Austin Hooper, four years, $44 million. I understand why they made that move. The Browns' offense runs much better with a healthy tight end. David Njoku, when he's healthy, you know, you drafted him. He's a beast. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, no. Njoku gets hurt a lot, and I understand why they got Hooper, but should he be the highest-paid tight end of the league, in your opinion? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the number, the going number for him at that particular point in time. He hit the market at the right time. Apparently. I don't think a lot of players get paid what they should get paid, but if the market dictates that, that's what you're going to pay. Right. Um, you said it best. I mean, if David... Uh, can stay healthy because David is as talented as any uh, tight end player. He's a beast. Football. He can run, he can catch, he's long, he's athletic. I mean, there's a lot of things that he can do there. It's yet to show itself consistently week in and week out of the National Football League. But 
I think he has a chance to be really good, you know, if he can stay healthy. And then um, the Conklin situation, as you just mentioned about with Cleveland, yeah, they had to show up the offensive line. I'm just curious as to who's going to play left tackle for him. You know, exactly. Obviously, they have to draft the guy, but you would think heading into this, uh, you know, season with Baker and everything that happened last year, you would think you've already tried to solve that issue. Because what if you get stuck with not getting somebody you really want at left tackle in the draft? So that could be, you know, that could be problematic for him. That definitely could. I have them going Makai Becton offensive tackle. That's what I'm thinking they're going to do. What what are you thinking they're going to do? You think they're going to go left tackle? Yeah, I do. I think they have to. I think if um, everything, they have to be all in right now on making sure that Baker Mayfield has the best chance to have success. That's going to be the key uh, to their season. So if that's the case, um, they don't have a question anywhere else on on the offensive football team. And a they lot of great receivers. Yeah. A lot. They yeah, they the got a lot of weapons. Receivers. They got the best runners. They got the best tight end. So, to me, their first three picks might have to be on that in the offensive line. <laughs> that so, makes sense. I mean, Baker yeah. didn't play up to snuff. You've coached him. It, what do you think? was? Did the pressure get to him last year, or was it really just the offensive line didn't, didn't give him enough time? Well, I think it was a combination of everything. You yeah. know, I think uh, year two, people have a book on you. They know who you are and how right. you play. Um you know, then all of a sudden the offensive line didn't play as well. And uh, the schedule, who they were playing, when they were playing them, new coach, uh, new environment, um, that could be tough on any young player. So that's why I think it's going to be so important how they come out of this particular quarantine uh, as a team, not so much just Baker, I think as a team, because he can only play as good as the people that play around him as well. Right. So it's, it's going to be interesting. To me, they got to run the ball. They got to run the ball more because he well, was, I think he it. was forcing a lot to OBJ. And I actually, I thought he was fine. I didn't think he was being a diva last year. Jarvis Landry's numbers, even over the last five years are unbelievable. Even when it wasn't with the Browns, I mean, he's just been balling out. So I think maybe pass a little less, run it a little more and you get that little mix. And I think they're going to be good. Well, I think that's the thing that people forget, you know, national football league is still a physical league. I know it's a, passing league right now people believe that right but the teams that are really good can run it and uh, one of their best players is standing in the backfield you know nick chubb you know so if you hand it to him enough he's gonna make he's gonna make enough yards he's gonna make enough plays and so but what, that's what happens the pressure of you have those very good talented receivers on your team you got to get them the ball too or else what do you have them for absolutely so, Somebody's going to have to take a back seat this year. I don't know which way that's going to go because it all depends on the coach. Uh, somebody's going to have to take a back seat to being who they think they can be in order to win. So if it's about winning, they'll make that adjustment. If it isn't, then we'll see some of the same things we've we've seen. Absolutely. I think we agree on the Browns. They're absolutely talented. I think they're going to do something this year. But a team that mm-hmm. did something last year was the Baltimore Ravens. You already talked about Calais Campbell. They got beat and taken out by a run-heavy style in the playoffs with the Titans, and it showed in free agency. They franchise-tagged Matthew Judon, but he can't do it all by himself. Calais Campbell, I'm sure they're hoping, is going to do his best Terrell Suggs impression come playoff time. I think I like Derek Wolf. I like what they did there. I think he was a good pickup. He's on a prove-it deal. He can get $6 million with incentives. Their D-line should be fine, right? Oh, absolutely. They have the, probably the best front seven in, in football. 
you know, um, and they're well coached. Uh, they have an unbelievable system. And again, we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. They're known to be uh, one of the best defensive football teams in football. So um, they just plugged some some didn't even there wasn't even holes. They just brought some other guys to the party. I know. You know, <laughs> they so were already good, like, and now yeah. they just got better. Yeah, and so you take that and with their ability to do what they're able to do on offense with this quarterback, as long as he can stay healthy, uh, that is the team to beat in the in the AFC North. Absolutely. You know, so it's going to be interesting. So with the D-line much improved, as we just said, they should stop the run, they should get to the quarterback. The secondary is second to none. They're probably the best backfield. There's a lot to like about the defense, but I have a question for you. Before this miracle season by Lamar Jackson, all I heard from people was he can't throw. All he does is run. He can't handle the pressure. It's funny how a good season washes away everything that happened. When you watch him play, do you consider him as an elite quarterback moving forward? And if he keeps like the running style that he has going against the AFC North front sevens, is he going to be able to survive in this league? Oh, well, he just showed that he could. So they're not going to change. It, it helped them become one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time. Yep. And uh, they took a player, like you said, everybody didn't think was a quarterback and, and proved otherwise. So yep. I don't see them changing. I don't see him changing. It's not going to be like, okay, well, this is year three of Lamar. Let's not let him run. You know, right. that that's when he's at his best is when he is running. So, um, I think they're going to continue to put a lot of pressure on the National Football League. It makes sense. He just he's so versatile. He showed that he can throw. I was super impressed with him cuz I was I was kind of one of those people that was like I think he only does it with his legs. I don't think that he can throw, but he he shut me up this year. Or <laughs> it was <laughs> unbelievable. Like he really he made great decisions. He was really good. Who do you have the Ravens taking in the first round this year with the 28th pick because it could be a lot of people. It could be. You just said it. I mean, they're they're solid at all the way around. I will say this, you know, losing Marshall Yonda, okay. who was really the heart and soul of that offensive line. I think if the right offensive lineman's there, right. they would make that that pick. You know, I think uh, when I think of the Ravens, they've always in the past have had really good backs. Right. You know, if there's a great running back there, I don't. You know, I know they would take a really good running back. That's what I was thinking. Last, yeah, and the other position for them that they always found uh, good players out is that corner. You know, that you can never have too many right. good corners. You know, and so they understand uh, that they have to cover these guys. So if I'm, they're going to win in this division, you got to stop Ben Roethlisberger. You're going to have to stop, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield. Right. You know, and you're going to have to stop, um, you know, the Ravens. So, I mean, um, Burrow. Uh, Burrow. Yeah, you're going to Burrow, basically. It's been <laughs> Dalton for 100 years, so I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> and A.J. Green and the rest of those cats. So right. you got to have to cover. So I think that will be one of the big emphasis for them as well. I agree with what you're saying. Offensive line makes sense. I have them going DeAndre Swift, running back from Georgia. I He does some things. He's almost like James White 2.0. He can make mm -hmm. so many catches out of the backfield. I'm thinking they're going to want to keep Lamar healthy. Mark Ingram's getting up there in age, so I'm thinking they might want to go running back here. A guy so versatile. Think of all the things Lamar Jackson could do with a guy like him that can catch out of the backfield. He could do reverse plays. It would be insane. <laughs> like, it would Absolutely. be insane. No, you said it. I mean, they, they are... That can happen. You know, I, I don't, I think you're right on. 
you know, it's just how it's how the board falls, you know, on draft day. But boy, they're they're gonna get a good player. One one thing we do know, and they've been known that once they get them, they do everything they can to put them in position to be successful. Right. So we've gone over the teams, the players, the free agency moves. I want to really quick go over the coaches. Do you feel that Zach Taylor and Kevin Stefanski are at a disadvantage this year doing like a virtual draft and potentially having less time to work with the new players, whereas Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh know what they have on their rosters moving forward going into the year? Absolutely, they do. Um, You know, anytime the players are coming back into an environment that they know, you know, there's, you know, comfortability all the way around. Player to coach, coach to player. Um, the players in Cleveland, they're going to have to get to know the staff. And and, and the staff got to earn their trust, and the players got to earn the staff's trust. And so normally you needed that that extra, you know, off-season workout that they normally get um, as a team prior to the draft and the one they get after the draft. And, um, you know, you get a couple extra practices as the new coach, and they're going to miss that now. And so that could be an issue for them. Absolutely. So we've done the AFC North. I have just a random question because I, I'm from Boston and everybody's been talking about the Tom Brady, the Belichick and all that. What did you make of the Patriots letting go of Tom Brady this year? Did that surprise you? It did, but I'm, I'm always surprised. Right. So, <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, is surprising, but not surprising. If that makes sense. I yeah. think, uh, everybody gets to a point to where it's time to, to do something different. And the organization and, and uh, the Patriots, uh, they got to start looking to the future. And, um, you know, one time everybody thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be that guy. Yep. The difference is we never thought that when we're talking about the Patriots. They'd be without a quarterback, that's you know, true. Uh, established quarterback. They don't have that right now. And I think that's why it's, it's more, of an issue than what it should be. I mean, the guy played there for 20 years, you know, right? and now he's going to Tampa Bay, and he's going to do great things there. He really is. He's got plenty of weapons. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I look at the Patriots, and I've been saying this for months, that if Andy Dalton – Andy Dalton just makes so much sense to me. I think the Patriots are just waiting they know that by week one, if he's on the roster, they're going to give him 17.5 mil. So I'm almost thinking that the Bengals are going to end up cutting Dalton and the Patriots are going to get him for pennies and Belichick's going to have a guy that has no ego. He's going to do his job and he's going to do exactly what he wants. How do you think Dalton would do as a Patriot? I think he would go in there and play well. I mean, they have a proven system, unbelievable coaches, know how to get the best out of their players. I think they would put him in position to play as well as he can play. You know, now, is that well enough for them to be the Patriots of, of old? I right. don't know that. It's impossible. But, uh, yeah, but he can go in there and help them win. There's no question in my mind about that. I agree. So we've come to the end of the show here. I was super happy to have you on, man. As I said, I'm a lifelong Bengals fan, so you've been such a part of that organization. You did great things. I really appreciate you. <laughs> and uh, it's been super cool talking. But before I let you go, a couple things i got to ask you. When am I going to see you coaching on a sideline again? And I'm a whiskey guy, but I went on your Instagram and I saw something with tequila. What's the deal with that? <laughs> well, first question is when I'm going to be coaching again. I hope sooner rather than later. I want Me to get too. back out there. I'm not in a rush. You know, I want to be with the right organization, right team, right situation with the right people. I think that's important. As you head down the stretch here in my career, I think that's 
I get a chance to do it that way. And that's what I like to do. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm part owner of a tequila company. Very excited oh. about it. Grandly, Grandly Linda. Uh, we're doing some fabulous things. It's organic tequila, 100% USDA organic. And we love it. And we'll compete against anybody else's tequila. Oh, we think baby. I gotta, I gotta get in tequila now. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta yes, figure do. this out. Damn! All right, that's awesome. Good for you. A lot of big things, man. Absolutely. Well, I, thank you so much. This has been awesome. It's great to talk AFC North football and talk about all the teams. Uh, three of them I've been a part of, you know, and uh, have seen how this division has uh, all of a sudden just started to uh, really change a lot. You know, because of the the quarterbacks, there's no more Joe Flacco, you know, there's no more musical chairs at quarterback in Cleveland, you know, there's not going to be any more Andy Dalton, you know, and so the the vision is starting to to shape itself in a different way. It's going to be interesting to see who rises to the top because normally the team that does, they stay there for a long time. I agree. And before, real quick. The Bengals' season win total is at five this year. Do you have them going over or under? I need to know from my own wallet. <laughs> I think over. I, oh, I, I yeah. think they'll go over. I really believe that. Preach I think, you. Uh, Tell them. Tell them. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I think they're going to be much improved. I really I really believe that. And, again, nobody knows what the win total is going to be, but I think they're going to be a, a much improved football team, and I think the head coach will be much better in his second year. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hugh Jackson, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you. All righty. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So we had Hugh Jackson on. He crushed it. We all crushed it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you haven't already, at Big Mouth Small Words Podcast, check me out on Insta. And once again, everybody, stay safe. Love y'all.